We turn in God's Word to the book of Mark once again, Mark chapter 13. Those of you visiting with us, uh, we've been in a long extended expository series on the Gospel of Mark, um, tying it in with uh, a series as well in chapter 13 here, what does Scripture say about the future? And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, we'll take leave of Mark for uh, a few months, come back to it, Lord willing, uh, the first part of February, and then finish up Mark's gospel. This morning, though, we're in Mark chapter 13. We're going to begin reading at verse 24, and then reading through verse 37. So Mark 13, 24 through 37. Hear then the breathed out word of God to us this morning. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the coming of the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gate. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or in the morning lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. As far the reading of God's word, let's bow in prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we come unto you in the morning hour of this, your Sabbath day. Father, we are grateful that we can be gathered here together as a church group to... Uh, grant you honor and glory that you so richly deserve. Father, we do pray that you would be with Pastor Bob in this time. Grant him clarity of mind and your words to speak. Be with us. Give us eyes to see, uh, ears to hear, and a heart that longs to understand more of your word. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I am tempted to begin by saying, what a fitting word to close with. As the sermon begins, stay awake. 
However, that may not be applicable to all of you, since most of you do. But it may be applicable to some of you, who perhaps fight that from Sunday to Sunday. But that's not what Jesus is referring to. And I think uh, the context makes that abundantly clear as well. I want to look at three things this morning from this passage. First of all, a brief review. Secondly, a promised return. And thirdly, a lesson restated. A brief review, a promised return, and a lesson restated. The review is simply this. The temple is going to be destroyed. Jesus has told his disciples that in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 13. That not one stone is going to be left upon another. In other words, the temple, as they saw it as this beautiful edifice that had been constructed and was the centerpiece of that Jewish religious system, was going to be torn down. Secondly, in terms of review, Jesus then, in verses 3 through 23, tells us of the events that are going to occur prior to that destruction. On previous Lord's Days, we've gone through that as far as what they are. There's going to be persecution that's going to take place. There's going to be all sorts of natural calamities that happen. There is going to be the coming of the one that uh, we looked at last Lord's Day, the abomination of desolation. So Jesus has spoken of that. Thirdly, in terms of our review, the fulfillment of that destruction took place. Took place in 70 A.D. Now some of you have, have a couple of you actually asked uh, the question, why is that not recorded in Scripture? Why, why is there no place in the Bible that talks about the Romans coming to Jerusalem and destroying it? Well, I can offer you my opinion, but I cannot offer you okay, factual evidence. But I can offer you my opinion. And my opinion is this. This book was completed before 70 A.D. The book was done. We had scripture. All that we needed for life and godliness had been included. God had finished the work. It's done. It is a closed book. It is a closed revelation. By 70 A.D., by the time the temple is destroyed, it's over with. It's done with. Revelation has occurred. Now, there are others who would disagree with that assessment. Okay? And that's fine. It's not a point of absolute doctrine that we're standing on in that regard. But you see, it does explain it to us, doesn't it? If everything we had had been given to us by that event of 70 AD, it is no wonder it is not included in the book. But it is included in history. It's included in the prophetic word of Christ. It's included in the historical record of this world. We are not people who do not believe science exists. We are not people who do not believe that history exists. We accept that. That is all part of God's general revelation. God reveals things to us in nature. God reveals things to us in history. 
even as God reveals things to us in our own lives as well. So in history, God has revealed to us that the temple was destroyed even as Jesus prophesied it would be destroyed, the events that Jesus said would occur prior to that destruction have occurred so that the prophetic word of Christ has indeed been declared true. He is the amen and amen. He is the yes and yes. The word of Christ is absolutely true. But now, in this section that we have before us here of Mark chapter 13, Jesus is looking past 70 AD. He's looking past the temple. He's looking past the events that he has spoken of. He is looking past that abomination of desolation that has to occur before that destruction of the temple. And he's looking forward. Everything that is recorded for us in verses 24 through 27 is what the book of Revelation is about. Revelation is simply the expansion of 24 through 27. It expands it in terms of visual visions that John receives they're on the island of Patmos. Those visions that John receives, John records for us. All that John sees and records falls within the parameters of Jesus' word. All that we need to know about the second coming of Jesus Christ is found here in 24 through 27. What do those verses tell us? Well, this is about his promised return, that he is coming again. And it includes three things. One, that the universe will be shaken. Verse 24, but in those days... After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. There is going to be a cosmic earthquake. It's interesting that that phrase that is used here of the powers in the heavens will be shaken are quoted word for word by Matthew and by Luke. In other words, all three gospel writers, those synoptics, are saying Jesus said that before he returns, the heavens are going to be shaken. Now the problem is, if people start trying to figure out, well, what does that mean? What, what events? When that star falls, is that one of them? No. Because that which Jesus says here, that which Jesus records here, is not in some sort of chronological that, oh, 24 happens and then we have another 10 years or 20 years or 30 years of time and then he comes and then after he comes, angels go out another 20, 30 years after that and gather it all. No, Mark is the gospel of action. We've learned that. 
And in Mark's recording of what Jesus is saying, these things are happen as it were simultaneously. When Christ returns, there will be that trumpet sound. There will be the cosmic earthquake that takes place. Heaven and earth pass away. This is simply what Christ is telling us. He's not telling us, oh, Saturn's going to burn out and it's going to move over here and the sun's going to burn out and it's going to do this. He is simply saying, heaven and earth are going to cease to exist. You can't read these verses and in some way think life can continue after that. That's Jesus' point. This is the end of time. This is the end of history of the universe. Oh, there's more to come, but it's the end of time as we understand time. Revelation is describing in vision form that which Jesus is stating in two verses. It's not like Revelation is adding to the story. It is being included in Jesus' word. Secondly, so that's, that's, that's one thing. And understand, these things are then taking place simultaneously. So what do we have? And then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Here is the King coming, the Son of Man. Turn back with me to one of Dr. DeYoung's favorite passages, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Go to verse 13. I saw in the night visions. And behold, With the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man. What did Jesus just say? That the son of man will come. I saw one like the son of man come, Daniel says, in his vision. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. The king, the king that Daniel saw in his vision, Jesus is saying, that king is coming, and that's me. I am the son of man, and I am coming with glory. I am coming with great power. 
Verse 27 of Daniel chapter 7 reads, And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom and all dominion shall serve and obey Him. The King, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ is coming. How do we know that? Because there is no temple standing in Jerusalem. The word of Christ is true. And just as his prophetic word, see, that's the point he's making to his disciples. You're going to see this. Your generation shall not pass away. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but not my word, not my prophecy, not my truth. You're going to live to see that day. You're going to live to see that event. The prophetic word of Christ came true. And now he is saying, just as assuredly as you're going to see with your own eyes, just as assuredly as you can see with your own eyes. A destroyed temple. I am coming. And who's the I? The Son of Man. The one who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I am coming. John 14, I'm going away. But I am coming again. I am coming again. To take you to be with me. Notice the third part. Not only is this cosmic earthquake taking place. Not only is Christ returning in all his glory and all his power. But what happens? Verse 27. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds. From the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. Isn't it interesting? The ends of the earth. Psalm 22. And the ends of the earth and the families of the earth shall be gathered to praise, to glorify him. What's Jesus saying? Yes, that's what's going to happen. I'm going to send out my angels, not as grim reapers. I'm going to send forth my angels for you, to gather you as joyful harvesters. They're going to come and they're going to gather you together. They're going to gather my people from all walks of life, from all tribes, from all nations, from all languages, from all people groups. I'm going to gather them together. I'm going to shake this universe, the galaxies beyond. I'm going to come with glory and power gathering you. my people. Everything you need to know about the future Jesus has just told you. Everything you need to know about the end of time, everything you need to know about the second coming, you have just been told. There is not one piece of information you are left in the dark about.
That's what he's communicating to his disciples. And the eve of his death, guys, I want you to know, I've told you over and over and over again, we're here in Jerusalem. What did I tell you was going to happen in Jerusalem? I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to die. Guys, I want you to know I'm coming again. I'm coming. Glory. Power. I'm going to gather you. I'm going to take you to be with me. And we have the word of God true. All that he said was going to happen to him, including that on the third day he was going to rise again. Including the fact that he was going to go to the Father, John chapter 14. All that he has said has occurred. Do not doubt his return. Do not question whether or not he is coming again. Understand he is. And understand the hope and peace and assurance that that gives to you and I. When we come to this table this morning, yes, it's about our sin. Yes, it's about Christ's sacrifice. But it is also about proclaiming Christ's death for me until he comes again and I'm gathered with those angels. Those angels go out through the ends of the earth and I'm one of those that is gathered. That's what I'm testifying to at this table. Not because of me, but because of Christ. Because of Christ's work. We proclaim the Lord's death for us, for our sin, for our atonement, for our salvation until he comes again. Why is it until he comes again? Because we won't need to proclaim it anymore. Why? Because we're gathered with him in glory. That proclamation is no longer going to be needed. This is for here. This is for now. This is what we need as believers. We proclaim Christ's death for ourselves. Until he comes again. Because once he comes, we're gathered. That's what Christ has just told us. But before we close and leave this, we do just as Jesus did. He doesn't stop there. There are two further sections. He pauses to restate this lesson. It's the lesson of the fig tree. Now, not the fig tree that he cursed, that we looked at a few weeks ago. This is just the picture. This is just the image of the fig tree. He just wants them to stop and to think about what the fig tree does. So listen to what he says. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. What's the lesson? 
as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Oh, well, we see that too, right? We see that not this time of year, but Lord willing, maybe March, April. We see those buds, and we see them buds beginning to push out, and we know summer is coming because the leaves are going to appear. That's the lesson. So, verse 29, also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away. What's he talking about? He's saying, listen, let me remind you of something, guys. I want you to think of the fig tree. Okay? Now, notice he has talked a lot. This is one of the longest sections of Jesus speaking in the Gospel of Mark. Usually, he's here, there, and everywhere. Now, he's stopping to talk. And he's saying to them, guys, I, you, you need to understand this. The fig tree. Be alert. Be alert. You guys, you disciples, you need to be alert. When you see these things, what's he referring to? These things refers to those that he said were going to happen before the destruction of the temple. So guys, when you see these things, understand that summer is coming. Understand the destruction of the temple is nigh. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not my words. Nor will you as a generation of people pass away before the completion of those words. Gentlemen, you need to be alert. If you look back in chapter 13, Jesus has said this a number of times to them. He is saying, you guys, you, you guys got to get this right. You, you guys got to stay alert to what is happening in your society. This is going to take place in a relatively short period of time. By best that we know, the, these words are spoken somewhere 30, 33 A.D., Destruction of the temple is 70 A.D. That's one generation. Within 40 years, those words regarding the temple are going to take place. You need to be alert. This is going to happen, guys. It's going to happen soon. Keep watching. These things are going to be taking place in rapid order. But now Jesus restates his coming with a different illustration. He doesn't illustrate his coming by the fig tree, by leaves, and then you know summer, a short period of time. It's not years and years and years before those leaves come. It's a matter of weeks. It's a short period of time. So when he describes now his coming, he describes it as a man who goes on a journey. And he puts his servants in charge. They're all given tasks. They're all given responsibilities. But nobody knows when he's going to return. There are no clues given. There are no precursors given to his return. Isn't that interesting? There are precursors given to the destruction of the temple, 
but not to his coming. Why? Because in his teaching, Jesus is saying, the master of the house can return at any moment. Is that true? Do you believe that? Let me ask you that question. Do you believe that? Because we could go to a number of churches within 10 miles of here, and they do not believe that. Oh, no, this and this and this and this all have to occur. They haven't occurred yet, so I don't have to be ready. Jesus isn't coming. Well, what are these precursors? Well, everything you read in Revelation. Well, everything you read in Revelation falls into those verses there. And what does Jesus say? I can come at any moment. I can come at any time. Because the temple of Jerusalem has been destroyed, that word of the Lord has been fulfilled, Christ can now return at any moment. See, it's wrong-headed to read your newspaper, read the blobs, read the news, listen to the news, and sit there and say, oh, I think that's a sign that Jesus is coming again. Why is that wrong-headed? Because what you're saying is something has to happen before Christ returns. And what Jesus is saying is, I can return at any moment. Now, I'm going to choose to believe Jesus. I'm going to choose to believe that the master of the house can return at any moment. Any moment. So stay awake. Spiritually, be awake, be alert. No, not to signs, not to events and trying to interpret them in terms of revelation. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Anybody who says, well, this has to occur before that is indeed a false prophet. Because Jesus has told us, I can come at any time, any moment. We need to stay awake spiritually. To out there? No. Here. Our own heart. Our own soul. We need to be awake spiritually. What does that mean to be awake? It means to be alive. It means to be ready. It means this. Are you at peace with God right now? Are you at peace with him? Has your sin been atoned for through the blood of Christ? Are you at peace with him? Because he can come at any moment. And at that moment that he comes... There's no time for repentance. There is no time for change. The earth, the cosmic universe is going to go down. He is going to return. The elect are going to be gathered. Are you at peace with God so that that moment can occur? That's what Jesus means by staying awake.
spiritually. Are you ready for Christ? Are you a part of the Master's house? Are you a part of Christ's body? This isn't I get to decide a week later. This isn't I get to decide a day later. This isn't I get to decide an hour later. It's not like I got time. There aren't these events that are all going to unfold so you can nicely go, hey, I got 20 years before Christ comes again. No, it could be this moment. Are you part of Christ? Because apart from me, Jesus said, you're nothing. Are you awake and serving? Notice what Jesus said. I'm going away, master, but I'm giving you work to do in the meantime. Are you? Are you working in the kingdom? That's what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about the duties and responsibilities that Christ the King has given to us as his people. We're to be about the work of bringing the good news of the gospel to the world. We're to be about the work of discipling those. We're to be about the fellowship of believers. We're to be about the work of prayer. We're to be about the work of producing the fruit of the Spirit. We're to be about the work of exercising the gift that we have been given by the Holy Spirit. We are to be about the work of Christ. Is that what you're doing? Because you see, unlike me who can answer wrongly the question, is it done? Well, I was about to get to it. I was about to do that. I was thinking I might do that someday this week. This does not leave me that option. Because he can return at any moment. And I have, I been, have I been about the work of the Master? Have I been about the work of the kingdom? Am I part of that body of Christ? Am I at peace with God? I proclaim Christ's death till he comes again. Coming to this table is not saying, oh yes, that's all perfect. But it is saying, I'm trusting in the one who is perfect. Oh, the king is coming. The king is coming. I can hear that trumpet sounding. God is coming for me.